Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. We are finishing up here in May, Mediterranean, International Mediterranean Diet Month. Um, And so we talked about olive oil on a previous podcast, and we'll talk a little bit more about that today as we get into our podcast. But we wanted to talk about a couple of other very popular or maybe sometimes controversial oils. Are they healthy? (laughs) Are they not? So stay tuned. So many questions. Yes. Well, welcome back and wanted to take just an opportunity. If you haven't listened to the previous podcast on olive oil, don't turn this one off. Right. (laughs) But you might want to revisit that if you haven't already. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talked about in the previous episode about how to purchase olive oil. Right. How to store olive oil. Right. Remember, the enemies of olive oil are what? Light, heat, and... Age. age. Right. <laughs> That's right. Right. So I don't have that and, age problem. And, and, <laughs> and oxygen too. You want to make sure you're always right. sealing that bottle shut. Talking about how to use olive oil. I think again, all of us are a little intimidated by those green bottles on the grocery store shelf. But <sighs> yeah, you know, the question with olive oil is always, what are you going to use it for? So, mm-hmm. you know, are you going to use it to uh, cook? Are you, you going to use it as a finishing oil? Are you going to use it to bake? And remember, right. you can bake with olive oil. So, yeah, yeah. So we wanted to revisit olive oil for a second, but that also leads us into talking about why is fat important to our diet? Because right. this is something that we talked about on the previous podcast, you know, low fat, fat free. We spent probably most of the 1990s talking about. Yeah. Maybe that was a misguided Mm-hmm. you know, course for right. us and, and in terms of a society that we began to te- treat all fats as bad mm-hmm. and should be avoided. Right. But why is fat necessary? I did want to talk about that a little bit and start with the basics that, you know, fat is essential to our health. It contributes not just to the, it does contribute to flavor and texture of many foods, but it also helps I feel like it helps slow down your digestion. Mm -hmm. That can be helpful when controlling blood sugars and feeling satisfied, especially for weight control. Fats are important in the structure of all of our cells. Right. It's just essential. Right. And, you know, we talked about in previous podcasts about healthy snacking or healthy Mm -hmm. meal preparation. You know, and you, I always remember your tip, and I use this now with clients, you know, pick two, a carb and a protein or a carb Mm -hmm. and a fat or even all three. Maybe sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, like peanut butter will do double duty in that that way. And I love that idea that fat is for satiety. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think we did lose our way. Yes. In terms of talking about those low-fat, fat-free, but highly kind of unsatisfying mm-hmm. right. meals. It was very unsatisfying. I think a lot of people didn't put the two together that, wow, when I eat this reduced-fat salad dressing, it's I'm hungry again mm-hmm. <laughs> in an hour or two. Right. So fat is very important at our meals to help us feel satisfied longer. We don't want you, we want you eating throughout the day, but we don't want you eating every hour right. of the day. Right. right. So, so I thought it'd be cool to kind of give you a little bit of the scientific background because we are going to, in today's episode, talk about a couple very controversial oils 
With that, I think it's important to understand a couple basics about fats. So fats in our food are made up of fatty acid chains. Basically, we're talking chemistry here, which consists of like carbon and hydrogen atoms that are linked together. And there are two major types of fatty acids that we eat. They're saturated and unsaturated. And I think we talked about that a little bit in our last podcast as well. Saturated fats are solid at room temperature and unsaturated fats are liquid at room temperature. So example of saturated fat would be things like butter. Right. Or lard. Shortening. Right. Mm -hmm. Those types of things would be considered saturated fats. Right. And then everything else is considered an unsaturated fat. Right. Now, when I say that, though, it's what's interesting to note uh, is, and I think you know, this is going to come up when we talk about the different oils is they all have a different, they, they, it, when we say it's saturated or unsaturated, it just means the majority of that fat is a saturated fat, right? That's what gets it at solid at room temperature, but all fats that are on the market, your olive oil, canola oil, and everything, you know, vegetable oils and seed oils and everything like that have a different makeup of the different types of fatty acids. Right. Okay. (laughs) So let me kind of break this down a little bit for you and stop me, Amy, if I'm getting too complicated. Like unsaturated fatty acids have at least one double bond linkage between the carbon atoms. So double double bonds cause them cause that structure to bend, kind of like how your arm bends right. <laughs> at the elbow. Right. So the double bond limits the number of hydrogen bond atoms that can then bind to that carbon atom. So the, mod- the molecule is not as saturated with, hydrogenated, uh, with hydri- hydrogen atoms as it could be. When we talk about the structure, it's carbon and it's surrounded by hydrogen. And the more hydrogen around it, the more saturated it is. Correct. Okay. So anyway, if it's got that double bond, then it's not as saturated and then it's considered unsaturated. So unsaturated fatty acids that have one double bond are called monounsaturated fatty acids. Mono for one. Mono for one. Mm -hmm. Unsaturated fatty acids with more than one double bond are called polyunsaturated fatty acids. Poly for many. Get it? Okay. Within unsaturated fats, and where we, that's where we find what we've, probably heard of omega threes, the, Mm -hmm. uh, well, the omegas, uh, there actually are omega threes, omega six and omega nine polyunsaturated fat, fatty acids. So, but what, what does that omega mean? I mean, that's the thing. A lot of people hear that and they don't understand what that means. Yeah. So the omega numbers simply reference how many carbons basically where it's kind of where that double bond appears within the chemical structure. Right. So if the omega, you know, when it says omega three, then it just means that there are three carbons away from the end, the methyl end of the fatty acid chain. And that's where the first double bond appears. If it's omega six, it doesn't occur until six carbons into the chain. Right. 
And omega-9, obviously, kind of goes from there. Right. Right. A little bit of your college chemistry, if you recall (laughs) it, which I don't. Right. (laughs) But, yeah. Let me tell you, dietitians take a lot of chemistry. You may not be aware of that. I took a lot of chemistry. Yep. Not my thing. Nope. Um, Couldn't I, tell you much about the Krebs cycle anymore. Anymore. <laughs> but I think it's good to just think about, because we're going to refer to monounsaturated fats today. We're going to refer to polyunsaturated fats and right. saturated fats. Correct. The one we're not going to talk about today is trans fat. Right. Which is good. Yeah. Because <laughs> trans fat has been banned from the U.S. food supply. Now, some foods have naturally occurring trans fats. Right. Um, I noticed the other day um, there was a package of hamburgers, like just plain hamburger, frozen hamburger uh, at a store, and it had trans fat listed, but there were no partially hydrogenated fats in the burger. Right. They were naturally occurring in Correct. that meat. Yeah. It's that man-made trans fat that we think was very bad for all of us. In right terms of lowering our good cholesterol, that HDL, Mm -hmm. and raising our bad cholesterol. Again, trans fats, as of 2018, are not permitted in the U.S. food supply. That does, you know, the U.S. food supply, you can say, well, maybe it's an imported food. Anything that's imported in this country is subject to food labeling in this country. Mm -hmm. So they can't just import something from another country. Oh, it's got trans fats in it. Now, that being said, if you travel someplace where trans fats haven't been banned, um, Mm -hmm. you could run into them. You could. But you're not going to see the words partially hydrogenated on food packages anymore. And that's a really When you're good, at the store. Right. That's right. a really good thing. It is. It's a really it's good thing. It's possible you might still have some products in your house from 2018. Oh, goodness, yes. It, it could be. Yes. Generally speaking, you now, shouldn't see them anymore. <laughs> and that being said, we're still going to see trans fats on the label because, again, some foods have naturally occurring trans fats in them. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean those foods are bad for you, um, but right. they're just naturally occurring. Okay. So we've got two controvers- controversies today. Yes. The first one that you did the research on was the canola oil controversy. Because, okay, so when I talk to my clients, I tell them I keep two oils in my house. Mm -hmm. Primarily, I focus on olive oil and canola oil. And I can't tell you how many clients might look at me a little shaken and concerned. And so it's because there's been a lot of controversy regarding canola oil out there. Right. You might have seen articles that talk about, and I I will warn you, this is where you don't want to go to Google on (laughs) canola oil. Right. um, Because there is a lot of misinformation about this particular oil. You might have seen articles that talk about how dangerous it is. You know, it's being used as a um, lubricant for motors since the mid 1900s. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been something that's being deodorized and unhealthy for us. But let's talk about maybe some of the origins of this controversy. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me, where did this all start? So, canola is a cultivar of rapeseed plants. And sometimes you'll see canola and rapeseed used interchangeably, but canola oil isn't rapeseed oil. That is the parent plant, but this is not what you're putting on your, you know, in your cake, you know, for example. So rapeseed oil is something that is high in something called erucic acid, which can be toxic in large amounts. Erucic acid was also linked to heart issues in animal subjects back in the 1960s. Just a reminder, animal research is not equal to human research. So if we're seeing issues in animals, 
you're not necessarily going to right. see those same issues in humans. I was listening to a, go ahead. I was just, I was just going to clarify because you said that it was toxic in very high amounts, but mm -hmm. that's toxic to plants, not necessarily people, or is it toxic? Right, toxic to plants in very, yeah, in very okay. high amounts. Yeah. Okay. So the thing about it is a lot of the research that has been done, especially on oils, mm -hmm. has been done in animals. And, right. we're not, and, and the amounts that they're given are right. unusually high. How does that high. compare to what we right. would consume? <laughs> right, unusually high. Uh -huh. Canola oil, uh, however, is selectively bred to be low in that erucic oil okay. acid. So that's good. Okay. This is where plant breeding techniques can actually benefit us. I know we're right. all very worried about how things are bred and mm -hmm. how natural they are, but that's how canola oil was bred to be low in that harmful erucic acid. What we're now finding is that canola oil, um, and by the way, canola is a contraction of the word Canada or Canadian and an ola. So that's how they ola. came up with canola. And we'll talk <laughs> about that here in a second, why we call it that. Okay. Canola oil nor the low erucic acid uh, rapeseed oil was linked to in heart issues in monkeys or pigs. However, um, there was one exception, albino rats. Again, we're not <laughs> albino rats, which could be due to how rats meta metabolize that uh, particular vegetable oil. Right. Yeah. So again, we're not necessarily... pretty specific. Right. <laughs> Today, okay. if you buy a product that has more than 2% erucic acid, it cannot actually use the name canola. Okay. So the average level of erucic acid in canola oil a few years ago was less than, was actually 0.01%. Okay. Now, you can still get rapeseed oil and you uh -huh. can use it as a machine lubricant. Okay. But that is not something that you're serving to people. Right. That is we're not, not something we're consuming. It. <laughs> it. Yes. So, yes, it is a machine lubricant. Rapeseed oil is. And, of course, sometimes it's used kind of in, in special order for industrial uses. Okay. But it is not canola oil. It is what canola oil comes from. But it is not rapeseed oil when you're using it on your salad or in your, you know, your baked product. So, tell me then a little bit about how they process canola oil and right. get it to us. And this is where it gets a little bit controversial because this is where okay. you start to see words like hexane uh -oh. and people get really <laughs> nervous about that. So canola's, um, it, our canola oil is primarily grown in Western Canada, Pacific mm -hmm. Northwest. So think about that climate. You can get small amounts in the Midwest or in Southwestern U.S., okay. but most of canola oil is grown in Canada. Okay. And it's actually grown to be herbicide resistant, which mm -hmm. is good. Processing removes all protein. So if you're worried about genetic modification, you don't need to with canola oil because okay. even though it is genetically modified, it is, once they remove that protein, it is considered to be the same as canola oil grown from non-genetically modified plants. Right. Because what they're modifying is the protein. Exactly. So that, that's all removed because it's pure fat. Right. Right. Okay. So they take those canola soy seeds that are grown in Canada, they mm -hmm. um, break them open, press them, then they're rolled and flaked, and that mechanical pressing squeezes about 80% of the oil out of that seed. Okay. And so that first press, that liquid oil, is what we find in things like margarine, shortening, and even just like that liquid oil that might be in your cabinet in the bottle. Okay. 
the rest of the oil then is extracted using come the solvents. Now, this is where we get nervous about words like hexane. Oh, okay. Um, Food-grade hexane is typically used to get 99% of the oil out to, of that, that particular seed. Okay. Yes, hexane can be an airborne pollutant. It can pollute the air, uh -huh. but this is a closed system, so no hexane is left. No okay. residual hexane is in the oil. Canola oil has 0 0.8 parts per million per <laughs> kilogram of oil. Okay. So again, this is not something where it's all, you know, you're eating hexane or those types of things. Again, that is, that hexane is essentially gone. Okay. Got it. Cold pressed canola oil. So the seeds are not heated before or during or after the process that cold pressed has a more distinct flavor. I've mm. never really looked to see the difference between cold-pressed canola oil yeah. and regular canola oil. But if you're looking for that more distinct flavor, maybe to you, if you're not crazy about olive oil for dipping your bread in olive oil, mm. you can use canola oil. Um, you huh. can use it as a finishing oil on salads or roasting vegetables. So looking for cold-pressed if you're looking for maybe a little bit more flavor. Canola oil is a very kind of bland oil. That's Yeah, right. I, I associate it with actually not having much flavor, so right. I use it in things that right. I I don't care to but have that fla another flavor added. Right. But if you're looking for something that has a little bit more flavor, look yeah. for that cold pressed. Okay. The one thing that fat does do in flavor is it is a mouthfeel to, yes. to it, too, that makes us more satisfied. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. If you've ever had, for example, fat-free cookies, you know what I'm talking about. Right. Dry. Yes. You know, uh -huh. kind of a mealy flavor. Uh -huh. If you have cookies that are made with butter or oil, they're going to have a much better mouthfeel. Yes. So talk a little bit then about the health benefits. And we talked about like all the oils are not, it's not like it's just a, a unsaturated fat. Right. Right. So if you remember, we're talking about, you know, those monounsaturated fats, the polyunsaturated fats. And remember, if you think about, again, what now you know what those mean. <laughs> Canola oil is generally about a little over half oleic acid, which is an omega-9. So again, okay. remember, it That's just it, where it referred to the word that um, omega, that, um, that falls on, on, right, that uh -huh. falls on the, on the fatty acid chain. It's about 20% linolenic acid, which is an essential omega-6 polyunsaturated fat. Just a reminder then, essential just means that we cannot make it or process it within our body. We actually have to have it in our diet. Right. So anytime you hear of something, an essential fatty acid, it's something that you have to have in yep. your diet. 9% alpha linolenic acid, which is an omega-3. And then less than 10%, about 7% saturated fatty acid. So <gasps> yes, there is saturated fat. fat in canola oil, but it's the vast majority. 93% right. of, of, of canola oil is an unsaturated fat. But right. just like you said at the beginning, they're not all or nothing. Right. You know, yeah. There's a very small amount. Yeah. So we know, though, even believe it or not, canola oil is less saturated fat than olive oil. Mm -hmm. or soybean oil. So that's good to know. Yeah. Um, it also has the most alpha linolenic acid of any other cooking oil. And we know that from what FDA has said from their research that replacing, and we did this last week with olive oil, replacing saturated fats with something like canola oil or olive oil may be beneficial to our heart. Right, right. Now, some people are like, well, which one, though, should I use, canola mm -hmm. or olive? And you said you keep those two in your kitchen. Yep. 
Yep. So how do you decide what to use? I basically decide on what kind of flavor I want to bring out. Mm -hmm. So if even in a, making my own salad dressings, occasionally I don't want the olive oil. I want maybe more of the acid that's in the um, vinegars to stand out. Right. So in which case then I would use a canola oil versus an olive oil. Right. Similarly, nutrition, you know, in terms of monounsaturated fats, canola oil, again, has the benefit of that alpha-linolenic acid, which we think is uh, beneficial for our cardiovascular system. While olive oil might have more reduction in inflammation and oxidative stress, again, canola oil does not cause oxidative stress. And this is something right. that you will read on the internet, that <laughs> canola oil leads to oxidative stress. Yeah. And there just are not good studies to show that, especially in humans. Okay. Extra virgin olive oil does have more antioxidants after cooking. So again, hmm. you know, it's kind of which one you prefer, which one right. you want to use. Uh, I hear a lot about smoke point olive oil. I see this with olive oil, too. That, oh, right, smoke point is, is not good. With these oils, you've got to use butter for a better smoke point. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, canola oil has a very high smoke point. And again, more than you would ever get on your kitchen stove. Right. You know, so right. we're talking about a smoke point at 468 degrees Fahrenheit. There is no evidence that normal home cooking or frying produces any health risks from heating that oil. Okay. So do not be concerned about the smoke point with canola oil. I guess the only time you would do that is if you used it and you grilled out and your grill got hot. I suppose it could, but it would have to get below 400 or above 468 degrees. The food degrees. itself doesn't really get no, that hot. No, ever. no, So, yeah, right. all right. And so unlike olive oil in terms of health studies, canola oil studies generally use biomarkers. And this is something to know about nutrition research. Sometimes when you read studies, they'll talk about a biomarker outcome. So maybe yeah. something reduces your cholesterol or something reduces your blood sugar. But what it doesn't state is this prevents heart disease or this prevents diabetes uh -huh. because they're looking at a biomarker and not a disease outcome. So that's something to be aware when you read nutrition studies, you'll read like, oh, this reduces cholesterol, which theoretically could lead to reduction of heart disease. But uh -huh. we're looking at disease outcomes. We see a lot more research with olive oil than we do with canola oil. Okay. So that's something to be aware of as well. But we do think that canola oil may be beneficial for our LDL cholesterol, our bad cholesterol, in terms of lowering it. It may improve our glucose tolerance, our insulin sensitivity, and improve triglycerides levels. So here's, though, the final word on canola oil. Okay. Yes. And this is where I think maybe that inflammatory thing gets going. Uh-huh. Because, yes, if you're using, rarely do we ever eat oil by itself. In fact, right. maybe never. Right. I mean, just like I'm not going to take a tablespoon of oil and just eat it. No. <laughs> we are using it with something. So that canola oil you're using to make cake or cookies, you're still making cake and cookies. Right. That have sugar in them, right. which could be inflammatory. Exactly. So when you're seeing those blanket statements online that canola oil is inflammatory or right. this oil is toxic. Yeah. What you're not realizing, and this is with all nutrition, it's rarely we eat nutrients in, in isolation. Right. <laughs> right. It's that part of that total diet. And I love the concept of total diet. Yes. Because, again, rarely do we just eat things in isolation. We eat right. that baked potato 
with the butter on it. We mm-hmm. eat the, you know, it's what we've always talked about this in dietitian. It's right. not the food. It's what we sometimes do to it. Exactly. It's the, yes. the fish that we then fry. Right. You right. know, deep fry. That fish was not the problem until we deep fried it. Right. The apple was not the problem until we put it in, in pie. A pie. <laughs> right. 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 Exactly. Right. So, you know, again, rarely do we eat nutrients in isolation. So when you right. see those blanket statements about canola oil, know that, first of all, you're not eating a, med- a, a lubricant for your you know, machine. Right. You're not eating something that is toxic. You're not eating something. You're not eating hexane. Again, right. none of that residual. Eating a GMO, right? You're, Again, it's the same. Yeah. It's identical to non-GMO canola, so you can feel really comfortable. In my opinion, and I have no problem as a dietitian recommending canola oil yeah, as I, an alternative to butter, as mm-hmm. an alternative to shortening. Yep. Those that liquid canola oil again. Right. We have no concerns about, and in fact, there may be health benefits. Again. All the, a lot of the studies with canola oil are, again, those biomarker studies, as opposed to olive oil, which we have a lot of disease outcome studies. But those biomarker studies are very promising. Improving right. glucose tolerance, insulin sensitivity, that's right. great. Helping our triglyceride levels, helping lower our bad cholesterol. So, right. again... Just need more research. Right. Do not feel afraid of canola oil and be very careful when you go online. It seems like maybe some of the hesitation, and I feel like, like you said, there's more studies showing outcomes with olive oil than there are with canola oil. And I wonder if some of this is just because of all that fear that's out there. So right. people aren't clamoring for it. They don't. Right. I don't know. And I also think I people, again, you know, they read, you know, solvents. They read um, right. machine lubricants. Right. I don't want to eat something that's going to. Right. My do, you car. Know, do you know what they <laughs> also not... they, Do you know what they also use a machine lubricant? Lard. Right. Right. So exactly. like. <laughs> Yeah, it's not you know a lot of people are very thick. We got to get back to butter because <laughs> right. it's natural, but right. you know there's lots of things that are. Very it's naked. funny you say that. I think I I use oil in my house. If my door's getting a little creaky, sometimes I'll go right. get my oil out of my cabinet and put put an oil on it just right. to loosen it up a little, right. and then it doesn't squeak. Right. But that doesn't mean that that's bad for you. Right. It's just what it does. And it's just, yeah. It's just what it does. That's right. So right. the other controversial oil, and this one, I tell you what, I oh still gosh. have trouble um, <laughs> because this is something that, you know, on its face looks like it could be a healthy option. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about coconut oil. Coconut oil. Yes. Yes. The good, the bad. Okay. So it is come and gone with regard to popularity, too, it I think. It has, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It was really hot a few years it ago. It was. And I now do hear some of my clients saying, oh, I know it's not good for, it's not, it's not as healthy for me. So popular, so basically it became popular because of claims that it can do basically everything from supporting weight loss to slowing the progression of Alzheimer's disease. So there's a lot of manufacturers then who start putting it in all these products. So because it was popular. Right. Yeah. So, but the interesting thing is in July of 2016, results of a survey in the United States showed that 72% people of people believed that coconut oil was healthful, but only 37% of us dietitian nutritionists agreed. Right. So here's a tip. <laughs> Just because, again, you see it online as right. something that is healthy and popular does not mean the science backs that up. Right. All right. So what we know, coconut oil is solid at room temperature, which 
you guys all can say it with me, which means that it is going to be high in saturated fat. Coconut oil contains over 80% saturated fat. And so we have shown a correlation with saturated fat in cardiovascular and other diseases. And this is why most dietitians agree that it's not a healthy oil for us to have. Because both the American Heart Association and the National Heart and Lung and Blood Institute recommend limiting the consumption of tropical oils, not just coconut oil, but like your palm oils and things like that, because they're high in the saturated fat. And of course, we also have the dietary guidelines that also say we should be eating 10% or less of our calories from fat from saturated fats. Right. Now, if you want to use it because you like the flavor and you want to replace butter with coconut oil, that's fine. Sure. Just be aware that it's not necessarily a healthier choice than using butter. Exactly. Exactly. So a tablespoon of coconut oil is, you know, 120 calories. It does contain vitamin E, but even though it's coconut, there is no fiber and little other vitamins or minerals that it is, you will find in it. It is the smoke point also on the coconut oil, just to throw this out there real quick, since we were just talking about that, is about 350. Mm-hmm. So it is a little lower mm-hmm. also than the olive oil and the canola oil. Where some of the controversy starts coming in is like coconut oil is high in medium chain triglycerides, which we did not really talk about in the beginning. Uh, Basically, when you have fatty acids strung together, there are these long chain triglycerides, and then there are medium chain triglycerides, which are shorter. And we think that these are harder for the body to convert into stored fat and easier to burn off. And so people who are supporters of coconut oil attribute these benefits that they think they're seeing from the fact that they have it has medium train, chain triglycerides. So they're saying it's different. And researchers have questioned these per- perceived benefits because... People, they've called on people to treat olive oil as they would any other saturated fat. Coconut until, oil, you mean. Sorry, yes. co- coconut oil. So sorry. <laughs> yeah. They've, experts have told us to treat coconut oil as you would any other saturated fat until there's enough evidence to, per, to say otherwise. Now, there's lots of, looks like, purported good benefits here. Right. You know, could it, you know, improve your good cholesterol? Right. Not, it's not a lot that pr- improves your good cholesterol, frankly. No, there aren't. That's a really hard thing to improve that HDL. Right. But they they have done studies, I think, that looked at MCT oils and shown that it may help with your good cholesterol. It may help increase your good cholesterol. It may also help preserve our insulin sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Again, this is kind of relating more to the MCTs than the coconut oil itself. Right. Some research have have argued that it may help boost our levels of our good cholesterol. And they say they had participants who took a tablespoon of coconut oil twice a day for eight weeks. However, the results did vary with this. So there was one small study in 2004 who actually found the opposite and that it actually increased their bad cholesterol. And so, again, we're talking about a sample size of 17 people in this study. Right, so, a very small, small study. Very small study. 2016 study found no clear evidence that coconut oil either benefits or harms cholesterol levels. So, again, we've been back and forth with the research on this one. And it basically shows that 
we're just not sure we need more studies on this. And, uh, you know, so as a dietitian, I guess I suspect that it's mm-hmm. a still a saturated fat. Right. And the body is looking at it as a saturated fat. And we right. have all the the difficulties and issues that we have with saturated right. fat. So, and so maybe the benefits are the MCTs that are part right. of coconut oil, not something magical about coconut, coconut oil. oil. Exactly. Right. Which I can understand. I could too. Right. And so it'll be interesting to see what we find out there. Yes. They also, some, a couple other benefits is, I, I, I did mention this, that it may help pre- preserve our insulin sensitivity. So a lot of people think coconut oil can help control blood sugar. And, you know, I, I I believe oil in general can help control our blood sugar. Right. Because okay. Because, again, if you're having your carbs with your fat, exactly. it's going to help control exactly. that blood sugar response. Absolutely. So... So if you look at it that way, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised that a fat can help with blood sugar control. And then improving satiety. Again, <laughs> I don't think coconut oil is any different than any other oil because right. we know it's, gonna pr- it's going to make us feel satisfied. They have argued that co- coconut oil leaves people feeling fuller after eating which means that they won't eat as much. And I just wonder, well, okay, what other oils were they looking at in right. that study? What were they comparing it yeah. to? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then there was one study compared the MCT oil to coconut oil and confirmed the MCT oil exerts effect on satiety, but not the coconut oil. Right. So, yeah. So I, I would just say there's a lot of cautions about a lot of these things. And then I, there were quite a few other, I mentioned you know, the, the Alzheimer's and that type of thing. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of small studies that have been done. Most of them are inconclusive and a lot of them were actually done on animals, not people. Right. And again, just remember those animal studies don't always pan out. Right. Now, to be fair, saturated fat has been the, well, since trans fat went away, um, Mm -hmm. been the nutritional bad guy. Right. Is it as bad, maybe, as we thought it was? You know, that's always been something that I've been cautious about and careful about not vilifying saturated fat. Because from what I've seen is the only studies that we've seen that show even the, it's a correlation to heart disease. Right. It's a correlation. It's not a saturated fat is causing heart disease right we don't know we haven't gotten there yet right we suspect right right but we don't know right and at this point we're still recommending i mean again you don't have to be on a saturated fat free diet that's not the point of this you can have small amounts of saturated fat up to 10 percent of your calories which is what the dietary guidelines recommend Mm -hmm. Um, the american heart association to be fair recommends an even lower amount. Yeah. Five to six percent of your calories coming from saturated fat. Right. At this point, yes, maybe there is a correlation between increased saturated fat consumption Mm -hmm. and heart disease. Mm -hmm. Again, it could be also what the saturated fats are going on. Right. You know, the butter that's on the white toast or on the white Mm -hmm. baked potato may be Mm-hmm. more harmful to you, the butter that you're using to bake cookies. Again, mm-hmm. remember, you're baking cookies, you're making cakes. Right. Right. Those are not necessarily healthy things or, you know, healthful things to make all, all the time anyway. Right. 
But the one that I think that I hear is that somehow coconut oil is a healthier saturated fat. What are your thoughts I, on that? And I think that comes from the fact that it comes from a plant. It right. doesn't come from an animal. Right. And so, and I, I understand that, right? Because this has gone on and on since when I was in school. And just because it's from an animal product or it just become a, because it's from a plant versus an animal does not mean that it it changes that chemical structure. It's still a right. saturated fat. We're talking about chemistry here. It doesn't right. change anything chemistry-wise. Right. So a, more of the studies are showing that benefit from that MCT, which is right. the main type exactly. of fat in the coconut oil, but not necessarily that coconut oil itself right. is the benefit. But right. let's say you do want to use coconut oil. What yeah. are some of the tips for buying and storing this? Yeah. So you want to store it like any other oil in a cool, dark place. Right. You want to keep it covered, not expose it to oil or to air. And, um, you know, just understand it, it could be a great way to bake if you want a little bit of that coconutty flavor to what you're baking. Right. So there's no reason not to keep a little bit in, you know, keep this in your arsenal. Right. If you, if you pantry. like it. Mm -hmm. But if you're saying, well, am I going to use coconut or olive oil at this point, the research point points to olive oil. I still recommend as much as possible. If you can change out any saturated fat in your diet to a, you know, unsaturated mm -hmm. fat, you should. Right. And it's the same, you know, with a lot of things that we do, you know, if you're removing fat from your diet, mm -hmm. you don't want to increase sugar and carbohydrates. Right. If you're removing, this is the same thing. If you're removing, you know, sugar and carbohydrates from your diet, you don't want to be all fat all the time. Right. Uh, I had a mm -hmm. conversation with a patient the other day who was trying to cut down on his sugar intake and, you know, was worried about his heart as well. And he's like, but mm -hmm. I'm buying the carb smart ice cream. I said, but I'm going to guess that's going to be a lot higher in fat. I said, you may be better off with the no sugar added version, <clears throat> excuse me, mm. of the ice cream mm -hmm. because, again, it's lower in calories, it's lower in fat, and you're still, again, avoiding that added sugar yeah. that we're concerned about. Mm -hmm. I said, sometimes those carb smart things tend to be quite high in fat. Right. Just like everything in nutrition, you don't want to get rid of something without thinking about what you might replace it with. Right. So, you know, if you're getting rid of of fat, what are you going to replace it with? Mm -hmm. And we, we hear that a lot from patients. They'll right. say, well, they took the fat out and they added all this sugar. And that's true. Completely oh, true. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's completely true. You right. know, we talk about even reduced fat peanut butter. Right. By the way, throw away your GIF. Um, you know, if it's if it's on the recall list, make if it's sure on you're the recall list. Yes, yes, all of mine which, was all of it. Yeah, <laughs> so we throw away all of our. It's GIF. mostly created at one plant. Is right, what it makes me sad. Like, yeah, uh, it is. It, hopefully they'll be back in production soon. They will but, be. But you know, reduced fat peanut butter is going right. to be higher in sugar than regular peanut butter. So again, never con you know, consider when you're removing something from your diet. Right. What do I plan to replace mm -hmm. this with? Yeah. Again, fat is not bad. No, it's not. Uh, fat is very important in our diet. It does lead to us feeling more satisfied at our meals. Mm -hmm. And like I said, it can help with blood sugar control. Mm -hmm. We do need a certain amount of fat in our diet for some essential fatty acids that right. provide 
essential nutrients that our bodies need to have right included in our diet right this is something that we see um you know if you're not in dietitian world you know something called iv nutrition parenteral nutrition mm -hmm. and you know if you've ever had a if you've known somebody's had a big gut surgery or something yeah. like that they'll put them on this iv nutrition and one of the things that we're facing in this profession right now is the shortage of oh. fatty uh, those fatty acids to give to people and what happens is after mm. a certain period of time with no fat in that tpn yeah they right. ended up they get fatty acid deficiency which is right. not a pleasant thing right it can lead to right. skin issues and hair loss and all kinds of things yeah. it's very important to have fat in your diet again within moderation just like right. everything else right a part of our total diet that yes. very diet and to realize that fats, even as healthy as they are, mm -hmm. still contain calories. Right. They're not free-for-alls. Yeah. You know, uh, even if you eat nothing, if you're on a low-carb diet and you're eating very high fat, it still has calories. Right. Now, yeah. it may be more satisfying, and that's why you don't eat as much and could be cutting right. calories is what's actually leading to the weight loss. We don't really know that yet. Right. But I think the one thing to remember is that you want to think about that plate mm -hmm. as that total diet. Right. And where does fat fit into that? Whether it's olive oil, like we talked about mm -hmm. in the last episode, mm -hmm. whether it's canola oil, you know, coconut oil, butter, shortening, whatever it is you want to use, flaxseed oil, right. walnut oil. There's so many ways. <laughs> Avocado to get, oil. Right. So many ways to get creative with things. <laughs> right. I think that it's important to think about that total diet. And maybe that's just kind of the theme of Mediterranean Diet Month. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the reasons I'm such a nerd for that, that <laughs> whole concept, because it is total diet. Yeah. yeah. It, is, it is total plate. It is not focusing on one thing, mm -hmm. you know, specifically, but that total plate, that fruits right. and vegetables, right. that protein, that lean, mm -hmm. you know, the lean protein and the starch. And right. again, that healthy fat to round it out. Exactly. Yep. Well... I hope you enjoyed International Mediterranean Diet Month. We'll put more resources in today's show notes because I think every month. We could enjoy be it all month. In fact, this is coming out in June. So. All year yeah. long. <laughs> That's right. Enjoy Mediterranean Diet Month all year long. Uh, and then again, buy the oil that is most useful to you. Right. Do not feel like your oils are toxic. They're not. Right. Uh, they're not inflammatory. They're not, they're not toxic. Right. Boy, buy the oil you enjoy using mm -hmm. and that you will use well. Mm -hmm. And again, think about that balance. Absolutely. We love to hear your ideas. If you want to hear more about anything we talked about today or anything in the future, we'd love to hear your show ideas. You can reach us at dish at secretliferd.com. You can also reach us on Instagram at the Secret Life Dietitians. And we will see you next time wherever you get your podcasts.